The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Ah. All right, it's 7 after 11 o'clock. There I am bleeding onto air. I said, Welcome to the second hour of the show. Um, I was having a, a side conversation with our next guest, uh, Tandy Smith, who's head of programming at Media Monitoring Africa. We're going to be talking about elections and, in particular, dealing with disinformation, misinformation, especially on social media uh, as we head up to elections. Tandy will be telling us more about um, the initiative. Uh, today is World Chocolate. Day. We're going to be talking about that after 10.30 and I know lots of you already uh, sort of put, sending us your voice notes, your favorite chocolate memories moments that you're sending us and of course the best moments and memories uh, stand in line to win one of the 10 hampers uh, that we are going to be giving away. So before I get into our conversation with Tandi, some of your voice notes. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays 9 a.m. till midday. The IEC has teamed up with Media Monitoring Africa and some of the main uh, social media platforms. I'm talking Google, Meta, TikTok, among others. And this is ahead of the election. Tandy Smith is head of programming at Media Monitoring Africa. She joins me today. Tandy, good morning. Thank you for your time. Hi, good morning. Um, and good morning to all the listeners. In order to fully appreciate what this memorandum of understanding that has been signed between yourselves as Media Monitoring Africa and these social media platforms, one has to go back to the history of disinformation mm. in elections. Mm. And I think let's begin with that context so that um, you know people can really understand where this is coming from. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, I agree. We need to sort of take a look at the context of why we're even approaching and, and worried and concerned about the issue of disinformation and elections. And we we what we saw, and it's not just a, a South African issue, but rather a very global, very international problem of manipulated information having an impact on the outcome of an election period mm -hmm. um, and and having an impact on um, how you choose to to make your vote as a voter um, the more kind of disinformation and manipulated content that there is the more difficult it is for you to make a um, choice based on accurate credible information and we saw this um, spike in disinformation in the U.S. election, um, I think, uh, um, correct me about the year, but I think around 2016, it was 2016, um, and we saw this rise in disinformation having a very real impact on how the election period um, ran out in, in, in the U.S. And what we knew leading up to our 2019 national election was that we would also be dealing with a very similar problem of a rise in disinformation particularly about um, elections, about political parties, about politicians. And that really muddies the waters on, on voter turnout as well. Mm -hmm. If you don't feel encouraged and empowered to, to know that your um, vote counts and to know that you, you are making the right decision, you would probably rather not go and vote. Mm -hmm. um, and so there, there are so many real-life impact, um, real-life um, consequences of disinformation around around elections. 
the last national election we held was in 2019. Mm. And of course, we had the local government elections two years ago mm. now. Mm. Was there anything significant from both these elections that showed signs that South Africa is not immune from mm. what the U.S. had been going through in 2016 and that, in fact, we were just as vulnerable yeah. to the use of social media platforms to not only um, disperse sort of different political narratives, but also very much to polarize people mm. and, and to try and discredit elections. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. We, we, we saw a very real... Um, threat of disinformation, very real content come out uh, in the lead up to the 2019 elections. Um, and it was it was really concerning because although we were sort of prepared for it, it was when we launched the Real 411 platform, which we'll get into um, a bit later on, but we, we had mechanisms to deal with disinformation. But what we didn't realize was that we would go from, on the one side, having disinformation that was designed um, with the intention of causing public harm, so um, to to manipulate uh, content around political party positions, um, to defame politicians, to, um, you know, have a very also then subtle campaign around favoring certain political parties over mm. over the other. But it, it was quite obvious when you sort of got into the, the detail of it that it was these designed campaigns on social media. So, so we did see um, instances where there was deliberate targeting of other politicians and political parties. But then what we weren't really prepared for was um, or that we weren't, we were surprised to see the amount of disinformation around simple logistics of voting and simple logistics of um, the the sort of arrangements for voting day. I mean, I'll never forget we we got a, a flurry of complaints coming in through our systems of content circulating social media platforms that that stated that if you had false nails, if you had acrylic false nails, they could not make a, um, a, an adequate mark with the, the marker on your thumb and therefore you will not be allowed to vote. And peep, this confused people. And people were actually saying, is this, is this true? Do I need to remove my false nails? And you think it's something so ridiculous, but it's, it's, it just goes to the power of disinformation that it just has to sort of sow that bit of doubt mm. Or, or make you mistrust. Um, and so, yeah, we're absolutely not immune to, to disinformation. Um, and I think this election leading up to 2024, um, I think is going to be even even worse, if I could say that. Tandy, when you talk about targeted information, either for or against particular individuals that, you know, would also be, be standing potentially um, for election political parties... How do you differentiate what is happening in an election election cycle, sort of what would happen every day? Mm, because mm. I think that our political discourse on social media has become very much pro or against. And you have politicians that, by and large, are having to deal with their own level of hate mm. 
on a day-to-day basis. And I'm thinking here, if you are the DA leader, mm. Julius, I mean, I mean <laughs> Helen, <laughs> you, <laughs> John Stenhazen. <laughs> if, if, if you're the DA leader, John Stenhazen, you're dealing with a lot of hate. You, all, all you have to do is go onto these political parties uh, sort of social media pages themselves and see the responses mm, to mm. the information that they're putting out there about themselves. Mm. If you're Julius Malema, you'll see sort of the responses that people have to him. Mm. If you are an ANC leader, you'll also see the responses there. So I don't think that they, they're political organizations and, and individuals that are immune no. from the hate that exists mm. and, and the backlash. So how do you make that distinction mm. between what has become part of the discourse that that falls under freedom of speech mm, and mm. then becomes unique perhaps in an election cycle yeah so um if we if we look back sort of historically um at at our kind of set down election periods once an election was proclaimed once we knew what the date mm. would be it would be about 3 or 4 months um, before the date, we would have a, 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 the, the proclamation of elections, and that would then um, allow for the kick-in of um, the electoral court to manage the process. And that's where the IEC comes with specific um, special powers to, to sort of manage the, the process and the laws and regulations that manage our, our election period. And media have to um, follow certain regulations around how they cover um, political parties and politicians within that that period. So it's a very nice defined um, separation of outside in the election period versus inside. What we're seeing now is that because of social media and because of, of digital platforms and the internet, we, we kind of merge into what would be a, a kind of election campaigning period months before the actual proclamation date. And so you do get kind of, of a gray area where it's not an election period, but we kind of see political parties and politicians already campaigning. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, how we would differentiate between outside versus inside an election period in terms of what we consider election-related disinformation mm-hmm. would be when it's clear that political parties are starting with their um, advertising. And they're campaigning. So so there is that defined election period, but we also sort of preparing and getting ready for um, political parties to start advertising on their platforms. And that's why we are, are, are um, implementing a platform called Padre, the Political, Adverti- political Advertising um, Advertisement Repository. Um, and that will be able to differentiate between the actual credible official mm-hmm. adverts that mm-hmm. the political parties and politicians, now that we're looking at independent candidates, which completely muddies the water, but um, candidates will be able to to upload their official adverts on this platform. And there are a number of verification and checks and, and balances that go into making sure that it's only the official digital adverts um, and it's only the digital adverts going onto this platform so what the danger is is anyone can take and copy an advert from a political party or politician manipulate that content so whether it's defaming the politician whether it's spreading hate speech whether it's pretending to be another political party that is um, using the content there there's so much that can go into not 
not seeing the the actual official advert mm. on social media mm. and so this is this is actually part of what we um have discussed in the framework of cooperation between mm -hmm. us and the platforms and, and the IEC. It's this very important issue of political party advertising. The platforms, uh, the, the, the social media platforms previously, at least um, if I think back to 2016 and some of the examples there, uh, of course there was a great deal of difficulty in terms of how much they wanted to get involved, including in taking down people's posts, mm. at least mm. posts that were seen to be undermining, in particular, the credibility of, of an election. Mm. Do you think that that conversation has progressed significantly and that there have been lessons learned uh, f from what happened uh, in, 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 um, in the U.S.? Yeah, I do think so. I think we, we've made massive strides in our understanding of what constitutes disinformation, what mm. constitutes hate speech online, um, where to draw the line between um, freedom of expression, which we, you know, we, we as an organization really advocate and support freedom of expression, but within the, 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 the boundaries of the Constitution, within those limitations that we, we have um, in the Constitution when dealing with freedom of expression. So, so it is about that fine line of balancing. But where we have seen the platforms coming to the party was that we, we, we tabled this framework of cooperation in 2019. Mm -hmm. And we had many engagements about it, but there was a level of hesitancy because I think that there wasn't that um, very clear understanding from the platforms themselves about their role in an election period and the very real responsibilities that they have in ensuring that local context can deal with local so local context can deal with local content um, in the election period because that that has been one of the difficulties and the arguments that we've had is about jurisdiction and laws and regulations around what would constitute so what would constitute hate speech or disinformation in the South African context mm. won't necessarily constitute hate speech or disinformation in in the UK context mm. um, or even in another African country um, so so we really needed to to see the the power of managing our own problems really with our own laws and regulations yeah, and that's our, that's our own context. exactly yeah. and that's where this um where this framework becomes powerful but i think the fact that we we have this move from the platforms to say okay we we know that we need to step up we know that we need to work with um civil society we need to work with um electoral bodies on dealing with this content online, I think that that is massive progress. There is a part of me that is thinking about the Cambridge Analytica scandal, mm, Tandi, mm. and the fact that obviously uh, when you take sort of the time period into account as well, there has been a lot of lessons learned from that, including the process of, of having um, some of these leaders of, of these entities having to account to different governments on, on yeah. the Cambridge Analytica yeah. scandal. And that perhaps may also be why you might feel that they, there's perhaps a change in tone and a change in, yeah. in approach towards yeah. this issue. Yeah, I think that they have been taken to task yeah. um, on on the 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 mess-ups that they've made. Yes, yes. Um, we, we know that they have, platforms have allowed um, and still do allow massive amounts of disinformation and and 
um, offensive, well, not offensive, but but online harms, yeah. content, hate speech, racist speech, xenophobic content. Um, and it's it's now even worse with Twitter. You'll you'll notice that Twitter hasn't signed onto this framework of cooperation, mm. um, and you know there there are a number of reasons why there there isn't even a South African representative for Twitter anymore, mm. given the changes that that Elon has has implemented, um, and so that that's a real challenge. But um, I completely agree, and I think that. You know, what we have seen with people being held accountable for particular disinformation campaigns that have really caused um, um, society, like narratives in society to to explode, um, false narratives mm. to 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 shape people's thinking. I think that, you know, that has been noticed. And and let me. I think, um, let me add that I don't think the platforms have suddenly gotten a, a fantastic moral conscience yeah. and, you know, are yeah. saying, yes, we need yeah. to do the right thing. I think there are a lot of interests and a lot of business interests um, for them to show that they are trying to support credible, mm. accurate mm. information, specifically in an election period. Um, because this framework is for the election period. It's yeah. not saying, you know, they'll work with us forever going forward. <laughs> you might knock um. <laughs> on their door <laughs> the day, the week after elections, and yeah, they'll be like, knows, ma'am, we don't know you. <laughs> Tandy Smith is head of programming at Media Monitoring Africa. We'll continue the conversation with her shortly after uh, the 10.30 news headlines. And then we'll talk about uh, the Real 411, which is uh, the platform, of course, that Media Monitoring has uh, come up with that is the tool that will be used to detect this um, misinformation as and when people report what it is that they're coming across online and all of these steps of course only matter if everybody that has come onto the table uh, does what they are agreeing to do because if there's a, a post that has been flagged, but it's not taken down. It becomes an exercise in futility. We'll continue the conversation with Tandy Smith in a moment. It's 10.30. Time for your latest headlines. Kathy Mosasana on SAFM. All right, we're in conversation with Tandy Smith. She's with Media Monitoring Africa, and we're talking about then um, the work that is going to be done going into the elections, particularly monitoring um, what is happening in the digital space around disinformation and misinformation, where it affects elections and particularly where it threatens to undermine the credibility of elections. So, Tandy, let's talk about the Real 411. What is it? Real 411 is an online complaints platform. Um, to to the, the basic um, answer is it's, a, it's an online complaints platform. But what it's... What's special about the platform is that it deals with four categories of online harms. It deals with disinformation, um, harassment, incitement to violence, and hate speech. Mm. Um, once a complaint is submitted, so anyone can submit any piece of content that they find online, um, and not only on, on social media platforms, but on WhatsApp, on, so on, on communication platforms, on, on websites, um, news sites, you know, any any kind of, of digital content. And um, we ask very, uh, very brief explanation of why you are submitting the content. Um, there's an app. So you can download the app um, and submit the content through that. And once it's in the system, it gets reviewed by three individual, um, three different experts. We have a group of volunteers 
um, who work with MMA to uh, look at at or to to come up with an assessment of the the piece of content, and it's experts from the media industry, from um, sort of digital um, tech. Um, yeah, digital tech experts, as well as legal. Um, so we've got a number of, of lawyers who, who look at the content. Um, it, it gets assessed by three different individuals, one from each area of expertise, and it gets sent to a secretariat, who is a admitted attorney, um, who's a legal practitioner, who will then assess the, um, the, the recommendation and make a final assessment and what action can then be taken. So if the content that is submitted is disinformation, um, there will be a counter-narrative issued. There will be awareness around the disinformation. If the content um, contains incitement to violence or or hate speech, we work with the platforms to try fast-track the process of getting the content taken down. Um, We also have a MOU with the South African Human Rights Commission so where there is hate speech or racist speech, the complaints get um, fast-tracked to the commission to then take action to go through their relevant um, processes as well. If the content relates to a credible media um, site or media institute, it goes to the press council or the BCSA, BCCSA. So the action taken um, and and what we do with the content falls into our existing regulatory frameworks mm-hmm. um, in South Africa, um, where there is um, hate speech or, or harassment, we also can approach the Equality Court. So we do use the mechanisms um, that, that are available to us to, to take action against the, the, the content. So the platform has been in operation since 2019, and we've got, um, I think, about 2,500 complaints in, in the system at the moment. Wow. And, and, you know, this is really something that I think as South Africans, of course, we're going to continue to have more conversations about because the more awareness people have of the platform, the more that they'll use it. You talked about um, disinformation, harassment, incitement of violence and hate speech. Mm. And uh, I want to come back to this issue of incitement of violence because um, the issue of violence and elections is is always a, a risk. Mm. And in South Africa, sort of coming now out of that unrest two years ago, mm. there is that lingering issue of, of violence. Yeah. When you look at the number of ward councillors uh, killed, uh, Salga came out with some of those figures just this week. It is staggering to see how many people in the political space are being targeted mm. by whatever elements, whether it's their, you know, their opponents in that space, whether it's criminal elements. We, we can't be too speculative. And, yeah. and do you think that a platform like this will help detect mobilization around violence, around groupings and targeted violence uh, leading up to elections? That's the intention. Um, we, we have seen the, the, the impact that it that is, has had uh, previously when we, were, we had a, a, a flare-up of violence dealing with um, in relation to Operation Dudula and the xenophobic violence that emanated from that. And there was... Um, there were suddenly complaints coming in around incitement and Operation Dudula, and the complaints came into Real for One on platform. We then immediately alerted the the Human Rights Commission, 
um, showed them the content and they were actually able to to go and diffuse some of the tensions on the ground. I think it was in um, one of the, the flare-ups in Soweto. Mm. And that was a real impact um, that we were able to have in in having um, in 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 having those conversations off off ground. There there are a handful of those examples. Mm. Um, so yes, obviously, you know, we would love to be able to to manage all of it, but there have been um, instances where where we've managed to curb some of the the potential violence, or at least had some kind of dialogue mm. come out from that. And and that's really where the success in this lies. Mm. Um, we expect in the, the upcoming period, like you say, to, to be a violent one. Um, I think we all have that sort of at the back of our minds. We can feel the tension. Um, and I think it is going to, 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 uh, to flare up as we, as we lead into elections. Um, and so where we do see a sort of rise in incitement online, we will be taking that very seriously as potential mm. um, off, offline uh, physical violence. And we yeah. will alert the relevant authorities where we do see the need. I think the responsibility is, is for us as South Africans to all get involved in terms of raising awareness, ringing the alarm where Absolutely. we are seeing uh, some of these conversations taking place. I want to play this particular uh, voice note that is uh, speaking to the issue of uh, the responsibility that, that the media have also towards disinformation. Yeah, uh, Tandi? Yeah, so um, very, um, very important input. And I think it's a conversation and um, that we, we do have. And the, the difference is, and this is a big difference between um, mainstream or, or uh, mainstream news media and, and what we see on, on social media. And when you have a credible news um, platform, you have accountability mechanisms, you have transparent processes, and you are able to um, you you are able to hold the media accountable. You mm. can say, you know, you you stuff up you stuffed up on this piece of content. Mm. Um, we're lodging a complaint with the press council, and there are self-regulatory mechanisms that will keep media in check. Those regulatory mechanisms don't exist on social media, mm. and so um, you know we encourage people when there are issues with mainstream media, news media, use the mechanisms that are available to the public to hold media accountable, as we do, um, as MMA. We have countless I was times going to say, over and, the and, years. And, and you do it often. We eh? do it often. Yeah, you, we you, go to press I, I council. Think it, it, it generally, what people don't know is that from the outside looking in, mm. you know, it can seem like the media and Media Monitoring Africa have somewhat of a cozy relationship. But the reality <laughs> is, you know, when we do reporting, uh, reporting on children especially, um, or, or reporting that is skewed. I mean, you yeah. should read some of their reports on the media's coverage of elections. Mm. Um, mm. Nothing sort of hits me as, <laughs> as, as much as, as some of those reports because they're taking that analysis out of mainstream media. Um, yeah. so, so I think that when one takes a look at the work that you have done, over a period of, of time, yes. um, you, you're not saying that the media is perfect at all. No, not by any means. And I think that, the, and, and that's the difference. Um, you know, we, we, we do hold media accountable when necessary. Um, and we want to ensure that our, our, our online spaces are, are safe for us to use um, for the benefits and the advantages that are there for social media.
right, all right. Tandy Smith, thank you so much for coming into the studio today. You certainly can expect to hear a lot more uh, from Media Monitoring Africa as they work uh, with the IEC and these different uh, social media platforms to try then and curb disinformation. We'll also check in just to see what are some of the content that is being passed through uh, on the real 411 and the adjudication process of it all. Where is it working? Does it need to be tightened up? These are the conversations that we can have going into.